BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Region, a podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now your host, Jim Mertens. Welcome to the cities. I'm Jim Mertens. An end to the session. Right now, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds is taking action on a number of bills sent to her by lawmakers who completed their 2019 legislative session. But just what did they accomplish? Joining me to talk about this is Iowa State Senator Chris Cornoyer, finishing her first session in the state legislature, and State Representative Phyllis Thede, who's been in the House since 2009. Let me start with you. What did you think of this first session? I mean, did you get accomplished what you thought you could get accomplished? Well, I went in there with a focus on education as a, as a former school board member, mm-hmm. and I was really glad that we got the SAVE uh, statewide penny uh, extension for school infrastructure and building security. That also had some property tax a relief built into it. So I think it was a good year for education. We put more money into community colleges and the in the Regent Colleges as well as uh, the Future Ready Iowa to address some of our workforce needs. We also got the children's mental health system set up and um, I feel like you know there's still work to do obviously but we got some good property tax relief um, done at the end of the session and um, you know it was the first year of a two-year session so I think that mm-hmm. there'll be some things that we need to finish next year. And let me talk a little bit more about education as long as we started mm-hmm. there and that is that there has been criticism that not enough had been spent in the past few years and also that uh, perhaps Iowa test scores are falling further behind because it used to be the jewel, Iowa being the jewel of the education system in the Mm. United States. Do you have those concerns or do you think that right now the state is on the right track? Well, I think over 50% of a $7.6 billion budget goes to education. So, um, you know, I think what we've done really well in the last couple of years is give more flexibility to our local school districts. There's 330 school districts across the state of Iowa and they all have very different needs. So giving flexibility to those districts on how they spend their money, I think has been really important and getting that supplemental state aid number to the districts in the first 30 days has been really critical. And of course, this save statewide penny was a huge priority that I'm really glad we got done this year. Was this a year that was of success for education? I think for save, I think she's correct. Save was a huge piece. And, you know, so that's something that Democrats have always supported and started. So we were absolutely um, felt great about that. But let me go back just a little bit. Um, she's new. <laughs> so the history, the last six years weren't so great. Um, we had um, the SSA, which is the allowable growth, but that's not what it's called. I still call it the allowable growth. Over the last six years, it was basically ignored. We had like zero and one percent and that. So what happens is that, that's not a negative statement, that's just saying, now we started at the bottom, now we have to raise back up. And so that is going to take some while, you know, some time to get to a point where school districts can be successful. Right now, they've seen their dollars depleted. And so over time, that means that um, 
They still have to pay the uh, gas and light. They still have to pay all the bills they have to pay, but with less dollars. So it's going to take some time to build that back up. It is going in the right direction, but we still need to do a lot more. When you talk about education, there's also two very different uh, areas mm -hmm. that you talk about as far as K through 12. One mm -hmm. is the rural districts, right. the other one being the urban districts. As right. we all know, Davenport ran headstrong into the State Department of Education. We did. And then mm -hmm. uh, the rural districts have real issues as far as the transportation. cost of transportation. transportation. So are these issues being handled? They are. They are. Transportation was handled this year. Mm -hmm. um, and especially for the rural schools, we did put more dollars into the transportation because that is what they needed. Not so much for the cities, but that's okay. They can still take those dollars and use those to whatever they need to. So that was applied, you know, in a different way, but they each got what they needed. So we did see, or at least got something that they needed so we did see that happen so that was a positive you know for education I think when you talk to the superintendents and principals and school boards that's what they were trying to tackle well and, and I'm sorry and as you as you said I mean you were on a school board you yeah. certainly know what's going on as mm -hmm. far as education is mm -hmm. at that local grassroots level of school boards right. I mean are you satisfied with some of the changes that have been made as far as transportation oh, yeah. or the urban district that transportation equity was a really important thing to tackle this year and get that done and then also address the um, per pupil um, cost, um, you know, continuing to close that gap so that no matter where a student lives in the state, they're getting um, an equitable education. Well, well, but only unfortunately is that that's only for about a year, correct? That equity piece. So we'll need to redo that again because that's only for one year. Um, and that's a huge issue because, as you know, and depending on where you live, Bettendorf is a much higher tax base rather than Davenport. And so, of course, those dollars go more, and that's fine. But we still need to take a look at that and try to determine how we can make that factor much better. So we still do have a lot of work to do with the equity piece. I know the state legislature doesn't have a whole lot to do with this, but you are constituents mm -hmm. of Riverside communities right now. Right. And we've seen historic flooding on the Mississippi River. Are you happy with the way the state has been able to handle the situation particularly I mean they've been very active of course on the west mm -hmm. side of the state right. which was severely hurt by the Missouri River I don't want to diminish that right. but the eastern side of the state as well with uh, the Mississippi River right well I think because of uh, the, the issues on the western side of the state um, you know the governor and uh, the state agencies were already activated um, mm -hmm. and ready to go so when the, the flooding started on the eastern side with along the Mississippi um, the DOT was ready with uh, I think 120,000 mm -hmm. sandbags mm -hmm. and right. and, uh, and help coming across and and becoming a di disaster area um, activated relief in terms of uh, state disaster area state, state disaster yeah. and then mm -hmm. just recently mm -hmm. um, Scott County and, and some of the other uh, river communities also became part of the presidential disaster area for federal relief. Mm -hmm. So that'll help homeowners, renters, and, and business owners um, with uh, funds to get back on track. And then also, I think the governor is being very proactive and working to, uh, with the Corps of Engineers to see what can be done in the future for flood mitigation to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Because we've been talking about that, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we also forget about the farm community as well we that, is, right. that is late in the spring planting, mm -hmm. and that's going to have an impact. And let's be honest, when you're coming up with a budget for the state of Iowa, if it farmers is. are impacted, that could really hurt revenues. And it, and it is. I think that that's the, the, the biggest piece. I'm glad you brought that up. I think the rural communities, the rural uh, Iowa, um, farmland, all of that, we do need to make sure that, and I, I think uh, Senator Kenoyer is correct, it, that they have been looking at this for quite some time. We haven't been here. This is not our first rodeo. We've been here before. And so now we just need to make sure when this thing happens, everything's in place. And so far it has been. So we're really um, happy to see that. That, that in place. 
Well, as I mentioned, uh, Governor Reynolds is now signing a number of bills. She and, is. and two of the most recent ones have to do with sports gambling yeah. as well as hemp farming. So yeah. those are two very different things, I understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you supportive or are you at all concerned about the uh, sports gambling bill? Because that used to be verboten. You don't want to have any gambling when it comes to you know, sports. Right. Well, um, you know, we have we have casinos, we have mm -hmm. uh, dog and horse betting and and we have lottery. So the cows out of the barn um, when it comes to gambling. But but, 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 in a, but in a way, you know, I mean, because you're talking about people that could throw a game, a horse generally. Well, I guess a jockey right. could. You're absolutely right about that. Well, this, you know what I mean. This would exclude in in game uh, betting. So it's just for um, professional college and international sports. And you would have to prove that you're 21 to be able to participate. And uh, I think, you know, it's something that's going on illegally across the state now so this is just giving a framework um, so that people can uh, participate in that type of activity in a safe regulated way and when we're talking about hemp farming that just gives another product that you know it Iowa absolutely farmers is. Can, can we were specialize in. that was truly a bar bipartisan bill on mm -hmm. both sides of the aisle uh, both in the Senate and the House because that was something we saw as an agricultural bump for, for folks. Now it does limit it to 40 acres, mm -hmm. but that's okay. Um, gives them a good start. And especially for a young farmer who really wants to get started, this will be an awesome thing to have done. So I was very supportive of that. And plus that, it did one other thing. We have a lot of CBD oil uh, companies throughout the state. And so they recognize that and as long as they are uh, okay with the federal government uh, requirement they're okay to run those places so there was it's a two-fold piece so I was very happy to support that bill very very happy one of the big arguments mm -hmm. between the two parties of course is still the uh, state Medicaid program which is right. now uh, not in state hands so to speak and United mm -hmm. Healthcare mm -hmm. is leaving the Iowa Medicaid program June 30th the mm -hmm. end of June that's about 420,000 members I know the state is not at all happy with United Healthcare as well as uh, some of the services that they had provided before are you worried at all that this is just another impact on this system well United Healthcare is not the only provider of services and you know yeah. they came in to renegotiate a contract and they were looking for less accountability at higher prices and the governor said no to that so we already had another provider lined up um, that will be taking on those uh, patients um, on July 1st so we're hoping that that transition will will occur I mean it's probably not going to be without its bumps but um, additionally in this year you know uh, we, we did give 9% more money to the Medicaid program to help get through that process. But, you know, we want to make sure that we're being accountable to the taxpayer and we want these, these services to be patient focused and, they, and the companies that provide those services need to be accountable. And those are the two big things as far mm -hmm. as uh, Republicans are concerned is that they have been saying we need to be able to save some dollars but we don't want to lose any of the services or quality. Do you think you're succeeding at that? Um, well, I think that it's it's an ongoing process. I mean, the the there's still some bumps in the road. I think that the people that are involved are doing a very good job with that. And you know, I'm really glad that the governor put her foot down and said, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna be taken advantage of as a state. Um, we have people that need to be taken care of, and and we're gonna make sure that the businesses that are providing those services are gonna be accountable. Well, the Democrats campaigned on it very heavily <laughs> leading up to we the uh, 2018 election, mm -hmm. and the Republicans still control both houses. I know. I so, know. So so. I mean, we did. We did. I, I, I tell are they you. Said, does, is, is that an indication that the state is satisfied with the program as is without making changes? That no, I don't think want? so. I don't think so. So here, here's what's going to happen. Anytime, look, back up just a minute. Anytime you talk about for profit, that is going to run in a different direction when you're talking about providing services for people that need it. Sure. Okay. And so what's happened is that people have not seen the things 
that they need to be okay. Um, delays, um, not getting medications, you know, in a timely manner, not being paid correctly, you know, all those kinds of things. But, but all, all in all, what we really need to do is, one of the things that the Democrats had said is that we would like to start the process of coming away from the for-profit organization. What we would like to do is we'll start with one of the things that's really important, and the elderly is one piece that we would like to take back and use that, you know, um, as a jumping point to help people understand that the state, it's the state's responsibility to take care of our, our people and provide those services. So we would like to start that. And uh, we actually presented something during the year, just this past year. And hopefully, um, you know, people will take a look at that and say, okay, this is something serious we do need to have. But there is the argument public. that once the government gets involved, the bureaucracy takes over mm -hmm. and, and, and it's not necessarily cost effective to run it. Mm -hmm. Well, back up, because we were at, Right now, um, and I talked about the percentages, we were 12% uh, on administrative cost when it was on the state level. It went up to 19. Yeah, it went up to 19 when it was for profit. So when you're talking about administrative costs, that eats into the services that you have. So you have to weigh out what is going to be better for your citizens. You know, we can't afford administrative costs at higher, higher levels. And that was one thing United wanted is they couldn't afford it anymore simply because they wanted more in administrative costs. So you have to weigh that out and no matter what way we do it we have to come to some sort of agreement about how we're going to do it but it's difficult because right now the services are awful and so we really do have to find a better way i do i have just a few moments left and i mm -hmm. want to get to this one issue and that is the governor's new power for a justice and appeal court judge mm -hmm. nominations mm -hmm. basically taking the mm -hmm. the chief justice out of the role as what would you say the uh, mm -hmm. the swing vote so to speak and putting yeah. the uh, governor in there are you happy with this decision, or are you a little worried that it's going to politicize more the judicial system in the state of Iowa? Well, I think that, um, you know, it was something that the system had been in place for 40 years, and I think that it's our job as legislators, whenever there's a concern, to look at a system like that and see if there needs to be tweaks or changes. And um, the issue was that the um, eight of the justices were, or uh, people on the commission were being selected by the Bar Association right. of Iowa, so a, a small couple of thousands, thousands of people uh, in Iowa, we're selecting eight of the people on the commission that we're selecting our Supreme Court judges and our Court of Appeal judges, and they weren't accountable to the people of Iowa. So um, we wanted to make sure that the people of Iowa had um, more input into the process, and by having the governor have uh, those nine selections, um, you know, that, that will, she'll be accountable to people and let them have more input in the process. Well, and that certainly makes sense, but it does enter the partisanship into it, though, does it not? Well, and, you know, the original bill in the Senate, we had input from both uh, the minor minority and the majority parties. Um, that bill was not the way it ended up, but um, we had set up a process that had majority and minority input into the process. It just didn't make it to the, end, uh, to the final bill. Well, and this has been signed. It's a done deal. I mean, isn't it going to help Democrats whenever there's a Democratic governor sometime in the future? Well, no. Uh, it, listen, part of the problem is because it wasn't broke in the first place. Okay, so now you're interjecting a political will, and that's what will happen. And as we have already seen, the governor has assigned someone, um, adjust, uh, someone on that commission who has delivered to her campaign, who has helped with her campaign. This is what we don't need. And so the frustration with this is that most Iowans feel the process was working the way it was working. I mean, the way it was set up. Um, my concern is that 
what we're going to see is that it's the problems down the road. Um, I'm worried about people of color. I'm worried about people who are, who are vulnerable. I'm worried about how are they going to be treated with this new system. And so I think that's a concern, and I think we have to keep our eye on it. And I don't think this was something that was good. This was vindictive. This was not, this was mean-spirited. This was not meant to help the citizens of Iowa. It was meant to help one person, and that's my opinion on it. And so I'm frustrated with it because it didn't serve any purpose. We had a system that worked. Why change a system that works? Give you the last word. Yeah, well, I think that it's a system that gives the people of Iowa more, more voice in it, and, and there's an accountability aspect to it. And, and we want, you know, in the end of the day, we want our judges to be people that uphold the rule of law. That's Iowa State Senator Chris Cornoyer and State Representative Phyllis Thede joining us for The Cities. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. Tribune Audio Network.